the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is hour two. It is Backbone Radio. It is November 5th, 2023, which means, yeah, probably 365 days from now, President 45 becomes President 47 again. That's going to be kind of fun to look forward to. And I just had uh, thank you for the text to Studio One and All responding as I am able. But Great American Eric, who did drop by burritos earlier at the studio. Boy, that Great American bringing us burritos. I didn't have to bring my normal lunch pail, my working man lunch pail. I could have just counted on these burritos showing up. But Eric pointed out to me that when I referred to Joe Biden as a chump, he said, did you know that that is old school black man talk? And I was like, no, I did not know this. And uh, just so you have this, Dr. Dunn, I love your new word in your vocabulary for calling Biden a chump. Ha ha. That's old school black man talk, meaning you're a loser Right on my brother, end quote. <laughs> is, is the word chump? Yeah. Eric, I did not know this. I, th- I thought chump was just, you know, uh, just, you know, a word that, you know, didn't have some cultural connotation. But I do think it is apt in the description of Joe Biden. It might be slightly unprofessional to be deploying that term. It might be slightly undignified to refer to a president as a chump. But I think it is quite apropos. And I think that uh, if the translation is, you're a loser, well, that's how I would view Joe Biden. And this Ukraine business just adds more confirmation to all of that. Begging for peace now. United States government, you see, got to see this NBC News article. I might do more on this after a bit, but the headline is, U.S. European officials broach topic of peace negotiations with Ukraine, sources say. The conversations have included very broad outlines of what Ukraine might need to give up to reach a deal with Russia. Mm-hmm. So that one tanked. That one really tanked. And I talked about this last night, but you remember all of the propaganda, full-throttle propaganda when that Ukraine war launched. Man, was that intense. Major intense. And um, around here at Backbone Radio, host Dunn here just doesn't go for the propaganda. And I just had to say that, no, this is not smart, this whole Ukraine thing. And I made a very detailed intellectual case as to why going into the history of the region the history of the Soviet Union and then Russia and Putin's pronouncements going back about 20-plus uh, years about Ukraine, going into some of the Ukraine history and our State Department CIA meddling in that region, bringing a little bit of Lindsey Graham, 
and John McCain into it as well. And I pronounced it was not going to work. It was going to be a moneymaker for the military-industrial complex, but it was going to be a pratfall. A lot of people are going to get killed, and eventually Russia is going to be prevailing in this um, dramatically. Looks like we're there, and that they're admitting it. And NBC News comes out uh, with the story yesterday, and it's like, we're begging for peace now. And the American people have rejected this war wholesale. Republican Party is becoming almost unanimous in saying this Ukraine thing, no more billions the Ukraine. And even the Democrats are about split on this Ukraine business, and they're, they're not going for it either. So, you know, the, the warmongers have, uh, have blown it so badly. And how many Ukrainians have had to die and suffer? What a bloody, catastrophic, expensive foreign policy failure. Chalk up another one to Joe Biden. Even as, with that Afghanistan pullout, how many of those weapons have ended up in the hands of people in the Middle East that wish harm upon us or upon Israel. Another great one by Biden there. Good job, chump. Hence the chump word. I deployed it again. By the way, 303-696-1971, the phone number. Should you have thoughts or amplify, subtract, say something to us around here, you are invited. But step back a little bit and you think about, uh, okay, the huge propaganda push on Ukraine. And the mainstream media is good at that. They can echo chamber stuff and they can really bombard our devices, our screens, our phones, our radios, everything. And you get it wall to wall to be an American citizen. You live in a blizzard of propaganda. And it is a survival skill to be able to decode propaganda and withstand it. That is something I like to think we excel at around here is withstanding it keeping a torch lit no matter how high the wind is blowing. You could be in a hurricane. You could be in a blizzard. Our torch stays lit. But in the aftermath of propaganda barrages, what is left? <clears throat> and this is where I talk about the void. The void. You can, you can say stuff about issues, and you can make a case for issues, but... If they are not rooted in reality, if they are not rooted in, in truth, they end up being forgotten and blown away by the wind. They end up having a, they, they, it ends up a vacuum, okay? And you think about all of this propaganda that's been deployed against Donald Trump, against the America First citizenry, against normal American heartland residents, it's been a vicious assault from the media, from the, from the deep state media, okay, corporate media. And it's echo-chambered, and you can't escape it. And every time you get near a device, you get hit with something or a lot of somethings, okay? And it's mind control. They're trying to manipulate your minds and manipulate your thoughts. And sometimes they're very sophisticated with their techniques and their tactics. It takes a lot of intelligence to see through it and withstand it, in my opinion, but at some point, you know, millions upon millions upon millions of Americans get better at that. They get better at standing up to all of that and seeing through all that. 
And I do think that's the situation we are in right now. Like, imagine, remember the Jussie Smollett case where that was an amazing specimen of propaganda where Jussie Smollett, an actor in Chicago, said that he was attacked on the street by these two MAGA hat-wearing thugs, and they said, this is MAGA country, and then they beat him up, right? Turned out none of it was true. None of it was true. But it was wall-to-wall in the media for a couple of months, right? And then it turns out, oh, it's not true. So what if you have eight years of essentially stories like that that are not true, that do have, not have any connection with reality, but they're constantly pounded on, on into the screens, and then they go away, then they're, you know, proven wrong, and then what do you have? Do they have anything lasting? Do they have anything enduring? Or is it just they're left with, like, this void and this, this vacuum, this, this emptiness? And I submit to you that that's, that's where we are. We're at that point where they can keep trying to throw out more and more specimens of propaganda. They can try to throw out more stories like the Jesse Smollett kind of stuff. Um, but they don't work anymore. They just, they just have no traction. They, they're like a vacuum and a void from the start of the story, right? And so how many years can you attack Trump, attack Trump, attack Trump, and have any of that work? And I think we're at the point where it's obviously not working. You look at that NYT Siena poll. Trump's, Trump's dominating. Trump's beating Biden. They're at that point where they spend dollars on this stuff and it doesn't work. So they've had to go to using the corrupt DOJ, the corrupt legal justice system in this country, you know, and uh, try to, you know, as Larry Sabato was boasting, 91, 91 indictments against Donald Trump. See, they have to do the indictments, they have to do the mugshot, they have to do the arrest, they have to keep amping up their game. And at some point when they realize none of that's working either, I mean, is it going to be, you know, a full-on assassination attempt? I mean, that If that backfires, then where are they, right? Yeah, be right back. And your bird can sing by the Beatles. That's from the anthology where they have a bunch of laughter in there. And all you think, yeah, it's kind of fun. You know, they're just there laughing with each other. The Fab Four having a good time. They say laughter is the best medicine, or maybe somebody said that somewhere along the way. In spite of it all, I know that a lot of this politics we go through is kind of, you know, it's heavy, kind of rough in this Biden era. But why not? laugh a little bit at a text to studio we were doing a discourse about the meaning of the word chump because they did refer to biden as a chump and great american eric said that hey that's a old black man lingo the chump word for means you're a loser (laughs) anyway uh someone texted in trump is the champ and biden is the chump and I think that's, that's, I like that too. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, the texts are flowing in on, on the chump discourse. But I thought I would take one little interlude before we get back to our more serious matters that there's a new Beatles song out. There's a brand new one. Did you know this? We played it last night a bit of it. I thought we'd play it maybe in this segment if we've got it. Um, but it's a 1978 song demo that John Lennon wrote and recorded the voice, right? And Paul and George and Ringo, Ringo added the drums, the drums, man. 
And then uh, Paul threw on the bass line. And apparently George, uh, before he passed on, had some attachment to this. And this might have been around when they were doing the anthology CD series. But it's called Now and Then. And, hey, it's like a news event if the Beatles have some new song. And they say it's the last song, the last one that they can work on together with John's voice. It's the last one. And so what if we just played a, a second or two or maybe a minute of it here? This is a brand new Beatles tune. I'm sure it's going to be a hit. And uh, let's have it. Here, here one, we go. Just came out two days ago. studio come in. Keep playing it, brother. Quote, the new Beatles song sounds a lot like Oasis. Interesting. The Oasis comparison. Brand new Beatles. Gentlemen, is this a? It's very Beatlesque, I would say. It's some people are saying it's Oasis esque, but you can kind of hear a little background vocal there. You can hear a little Paul doing the high note back up. The Lennon lead vocal does sound fun to hear a new Lennon song. And Blake, I know back there you're a big Beatles guy, right? You know everything about the Beatles. Yeah. And George is your Beatle, right? You like the George guy? You could be his body double, Blake. For the early 70s George look. You could be his stunt double. You could do the stunts. I don't know if you could do the solos. You know, if he had to jump on a motorcycle off of a cliff and then start... You you could be the guy to do that, right? But I, I think this is kind of a, it's it's an all right song. It's pretty good. It's it's not like I am the Walrus or that kind of level. And I think John Lennon. I don't know the story on this that he wrote it and thought it wasn't quite worth putting on an album. But I don't know. You what, what do you think about the Paul McCartney? You know they're starting to get up past eighty years old. Can you imagine? And they start thinking about. The old days, right? The British invasion days. And Do you think that they miss those times? Do you think they look back on those times? I mean, when you get that famous for a, for a certain epoch that you were in the middle of, does that start to loom larger in life as time goes on, or does it recede away? I guess I don't know. Um, 
but it seems like they are getting a little nostalgic and you know they say oh they're trying to make money well they've got plenty of money i don't think that that that's their thing you think that's motivating for a beetle when they're already billionaires right all of them the living ones two out of the full anyway i i just thought we would work that in because that i remember as a as a kid i thought and I used to be able to play all the Beatles songs on my guitar. And there was times where I thought Paul was the best Beatle, times I thought John was, times I thought uh, George was. I never quite thought Ringo was the best Beatle, but I always thought he was indispensable. You can't have the Beatles without Ringo, right? Absolutely not, you know? And they were, they were just four guys. Oh, somehow the volume's not on on that. Did, does that does that have we sound? We were performers there you in go. Liverpool, Hamburg, and around the dance halls, you know, and what we generated was fantastic when we played straight rock, and there was nobody to touch us in Britain, you know. Yeah, a few flashback clips here. Yeah, how about another one? We were four guys that uh, I met Paul and said, do you want to join me band, you know? And then George joined, and then Ringo joined. We were just a band who made it very, very big, that's all. Yeah, that's all. Just a band. Made it big. Should we keep going with this? We got more. Is it kind of fun to do some of these little flashbacky things? Who listening was alive at this time? The early 60s when they were first coming on? Here's another John Lennon little clip here. But now John has his work cut out on the next one as he takes the guitar on and off his neck and pulls the harmonica in and out of his harp. face. It's a harp. What a harp? Uh, the harp. I'm playing a harp in this one. Playing a harp? Harmonica I play in Love Me Do. Harp in this one. Little. But it it's goes a in a... organ. Do, do you want to do these announcements? Well, oh, go on, you go ahead. Where's no, that's all right. Where's he going? Tell him what the next song. Uh, oh, uh, we'd like to carry on with Chuck Berry's I've Got to Find My Baby, I Don't Know Where She's Been. Pardon? Hello? Love these goon shows. Love these goon shows. That's That about sums up Backbone Radio, right? Love these goon shows. I guess a harp is smaller than a harmonica. So John Lennon being a little technical, that was a BBC broadcast. <laughs> anyway... Uh, one more. We, we've, we've got, we could do this all night long. Well, despite the fact that the next request comes from 132 Perry Road, Sherwood and Nottingham, it's headed up the pool and starts Dear Whack. So, John, you take it from there. Dear Whack, please ask those gorgeous lads, <laughs> call the Beatles, to sing You Really Got a Hold on Me, for Die, Gus, Fizz and Me, also for the Beatles themselves, especially Paul. <laughs> And everybody that was in the Roy Orbison tour. I am a regular listener of Pop Go the Beatles. Good lad, if you're a lad. And please tell the boys that all the girls in our office think it is a fab show. Thank all right, you. oh, stop the band. Whoa, how splendid. And now Shall what are you going to sing for us? You really got a hold on me, mother. Oh, and I should have brought in that song, You Really Got a Hold on Me. At any rate, yeah, just walking back through time there. Just a few uh, Beatles snips as we hear a new John Lennon penned tune. Text the studio said, hey, Matt, what if that Beatle tune was created by AI? Have you thought of that? I was like, oh, no, I haven't thought of that. That could have been an AI song. Yeah. Either way, I'll take it. I'll take a new Beatle tune, AI or not. When a little Merle Haggard following up a bunch of Beatles action there. Yeah, working man blues. Working man radio around here. By the way, that last Beatles song we played, the new one called Now and Then, bit of a love song. Did you notice that? 
And that was always the rift between Paul and John, is that John said, oh, you're always doing those silly love songs, Paul. Just another silly love song. And so Paul wrote that tune called Silly Love Songs somewhere in the mid-70s, which became quite a big hit for Paul. But uh, I don't know, would you accuse John Lennon of hypocrisy? Because that's a love song, that now and then business. But it has a little bit of, you know, you can tell Lennon always had that irony. He always had to have that sort of little twist on things. He was never a straightforward. He was always an outside-the-box thinker. And boy, when that works, boy, that works. Hence, we had the Beatles. And I just, I always say the text to studio keep me in line. And not moments ago, I was saying that all the surviving Beatles are billionaires. And I have been proven wrong. <laughs> and that uh, individual texts in saying, Matt, Ringo's not a billionaire. Worth 400 to 500 million Thanks for playing some Fab Four. And so I missed it. What's the Don Adams? Get smart. Missed it by that much. Missed it by about 500 million. <laughs> and uh, with those kind of skills, I should probably be in Congress, don't you think? Maybe I should run for Ken Buck's seat. Just kidding. Zero interest in doing that. I'm going to let everybody else do that. Maybe we'll talk about Ken Buck here in just a moment. But I was going to finish one thought about the propaganda business. And I'm saying that the propaganda has hit that point of diminishing returns. And now it's they've got to indict Trump and arrest Trump. 91 indictments. Maybe they could get up to like a thousand indictments and they think they're getting somewhere then. But the people are tuning this out. The people are knowing that the DOJ, the FBI, all that is corrupt. They know that the government is corrupt. They know that the media is propaganda. And there's been too many straws on the camel's back. The camel has collapsed, so it's not working for him, which I do think means that there's a little risk of potential for the assassination thing. The only thing is that if, if there was an assassination attempt, I think that the American people would have some idea of who was behind it, and that's the people who've been attacking him mercilessly, mercilessly kicking Trump below the belt for about eight years in a row since he became the most powerful political force in this country, although undermined by the bureaucracy and undermined by the media, preventing the work of making America great again. So they always have to keep fresh new propaganda going because they leave a void. You do all these Jesse Smollett type stories and you ask some Democrat, hey, what was that impeachment about? What was it about? And they couldn't even tell you. They have no idea. Right? Well, it was about Ukraine, the first one. But you see, they leave a void in the app, so they have to constantly have new material, new material, new propaganda, and that's where they don't have it anymore. And you can see the media, those sort of forlorn looks on their faces. They just have to keep doing this. Do you think that they're enjoying their lives? <laughs> Another text to the studio. Doc. Ringo may only be worth half a billion, but he's been married to Barbara Bach since 1981, exclamation point. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And yeah, uh, chump and the champ. I like that phraseology. 
But let's talk Ken Buck for just a moment. Our congressman from the 4th CD has gotten a little weird lately, or he's gotten a little more authentic lately. What do you think? More authentic, showing the true colors? And he's not running again, okay? He's not running. He's out. And uh, that is what, well, yeah, just toot our own horn a little bit. You, there's all kinds of indication for backbone hosts these days. And if I don't point it out, I, I kind of worry that no one else will. <laughs> so, anyway, when I saw that Ken Buck starting to get squirrely, boys getting squirrely, I kind of thought, well, he's not running again. And you know who else is not running again, by the way, is Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham is not going to run for another term. That's my prediction. Hold me to it. We got uh, how many more years to go? Five? But Lindsey Graham has really come out of the closet as a total warmonger. I mean, we knew he was a major warmonger, but now he's way out of the closet as a warmonger. He's over there banging the gongs for more war in Ukraine, and now we got to blow up Iran and everybody in the Middle East, and that's Lindsey. He's just out there having fun. The, do th the thing I do wonder is, you know, Lindsey, he kind of likes power. He kind of likes being a senator. Kind of likes sending everybody else's kids to, to war, to forever wars. And he might get close to that next, next election. He's still got time. He might get kind of close and think, you know what? I kind of still like being a senator. I think I want to keep doing this. And he might at the last minute try to do it. And then I hope he gets primaried. Anyway, back to Ken Buck. Somehow I got on Lindsay. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, Ken Buck, yeah, not going to run, wants a job on CNN, constantly goes on CNN bashing the Republican Party, bashing America first, bashing MAGA, saying all the right uh, rhino talking points, all the things the establishment wants to hear. And there are some Republicans who like to like to enter that zone of opportunity to try to cultivate a perch in mainstream media to go out there and say all the things that the uniparty wants to hear and have in circulation. Oh, look, this Republican, you know, people, people like Bill Kristol and David Frum, and they do that. You know, John McCain would do that. Uh, Lindsey Graham does that. <laughs> anyway, he gets booed in South Carolina, by the way, does Lindsey. But I'm just thinking this. Ken Buck wrote that 2017 book called Drain the Swamp, and I think we're due for the sequel. Does anybody have any um, title suggestions for the sequel? And I can throw out a couple. How about the sequel is Join the Swamp? How about the sequel is Embrace the Swamp? How about the sequel is Love the Swamp? Yeah, those are just three ideas of the sequel to Ken Buck's first book, which was Drain the Swamp. Oh, he's going to go in there and drain that swamp. Yeah, I'm Tea Party guy. I'm going to drain that swamp. Next thing you know, he's loving, embracing, and joining the swamp. And should we just hear him tell it? Should we hear Ken Buck tell it? And, of course, and he, he tries to slap the GOP on the way out. And uh, I don't know, how do we get these people? How do these people make it through our rigorous primary vetting process? You know, somehow they do. And that does not say good things about the Colorado GOP at that time. But uh, here's, here's Ken Buck. Hi, this is Congressman Ken Buck. After careful consideration and much prayer, 
I have decided not to seek a sixth term in the U.S. House of Representatives. To the people of Colorado's 4th Congressional District, thank you for sending me to Congress. I'm grateful for your support as we have fought against the left's policies that have had real-world consequences, defunding the police, politicizing student loans, provoking inflation with excessive spending, creating open borders, decimating our domestic energy production. Americans are rightfully concerned about our nation's future and are looking to Republicans in Washington for a course correction. But their hope for Republicans to take decisive action may be in vain. Our nation is on a collision course with reality, and a steadfast commitment to truth, even uncomfortable truths, is the only way forward. Too many Republican leaders are lying to America, claiming that the 2020 election was stolen, describing January 6th as an unguided tour of the Capitol, and asserting that the ensuing prosecutions are a weaponization of our justice system. These insidious narratives breed widespread cynicism and erode Americans' confidence in the rule of law. It is impossible for the Republican Party to confront our problems and offer a course correction for the future while being obsessively fixated on retribution and vengeance for contrived injustices of the past. This trend among Republicans is a significant departure from the enduring principles of conservatism. We belong to the party of Abraham Lincoln and Ronald Reagan. Our movement has always been fueled by immutable truths about human nature, individual liberty, and economic freedoms. The Republican Party of today, however, is ignoring self-evident truths about the rule of law and limited government in exchange for self-serving lies. I made the decision to leave Congress because tough votes are being replaced. All right. By... Is that enough, Ken Buck? <laughs> Did anybody gag listening to Ken Buck just then? Who gagged? Admit it. You gagged listening to Ken Buck go there on the pillars of establishment power. You know, he hit them all. January 6th, election 2020, vengeance, retribution. That's how they're going to frame it. Be right back. Going back to the 80s now, or should I say forward to the 80s, because we've been back in the 60s for a while. Little Concrete Blonde. Can't remember the name of the singer of Concrete Blonde. But one time, I was either at a Denver Nugget game or a Colorado Avalanche game, and she came out and sang the national anthem. Did a good job. You want to look up her name real quick? I can't leave people hanging. John Blake's, Blake's got it. Napolitano. What? Something Napolitano. Jonette uh Napolitano. Jonette. Jonette? Yeah, Jonette. What? Jonette. How do you spell that? J O H N E T T E. J O H N E T T E. Jonette. Napolitano. Just wonder if. Was it. Did they want a son? They were going to name it John. Then it was a daughter, and they named it Jonette. Named her Jonette. Uh, so she was born with J O N E T T E. Oh, Jonette. That's better. Jonette. <laughs> Jonette, okay. Anyway, enough about Jonette. That's just one of those songs that somehow hits the spot here and there and text the studio. Someone says this Doctor, Jimmy Singenberger says he has the best bumper music known to man, but yours is better, especially when you play the Beatles. <laughs> so I'll take that and I will. Run with it. Jimmy Singenberger and I have had a 
probably a decade-long duel over who has the best bumper music. And, of course, I know I'm right, and Jimmy knows he's right, right? He can be stubborn that way in his wrongitude. And I guess that's his freedom to continue on in that that fearless wrongitude. But uh, that's that's his prerogative, and uh, I'm going to let him stick to that at any rate. Uh, and, uh, oh, a few more texts to you about people who, uh, yeah, they were around in the Beatles era. And one guy saying this, that actually he, one of our, one of our listeners, uh, quote, I was there in England at the time. I was only 10, but grew up with them in that era. Oh, I bet you did, especially if you were in Liverpool or in England or somewhere down there. At any rate, yeah, Ken Buck leaving Congress with his tail between his legs. And I'll do another text about Ken Buck. Somebody just texted this in, quote, Coloradoans hate that man. He would get his blank kicked should he run again. That's the only reason he's not running. And a title suggestion, (laughs) this is good, (laughs) for the Ken Buck sequel to his Drain the Swamp book is Becoming the Swamp in Five Easy Steps. <laughs> That's pretty good. I think love the swamp, embrace the swamp, join the swamp. Becoming the Swamp in Five Easy Steps. Here's how you do it. And it is just embarrassing. And um, I think I think he decided before he came out and got squirrely, that he was not going to run again, and he was looking for something else, something else to do. Who knows why? Um, But he may have been further convinced by uh, his response that he's had on Twitter of late and of the phone calls and snail mails and emails to his office. And I've had a few callers pretty strident over these past, what, four, five, six weeks saying that they, yeah, they got in touch with Ken Buck's office and they let him know how they feel about Ken Buck, the swamp lover, okay? And just parsing his exit statement, you know, he talks about, oh, Republicans are lying. And I've talked about what are some of the pillars of establishment power that the establishment, the vulnerable, weak establishment is clinging to to stay in power And one is they really need this January 6th narrative. They need that viable. And Ray Epps came out, and there's a new thing about him, which is kind of interesting, worth exploring. But they need that January 6th narrative, and they need that pristine election 2020 narrative. Even as a Connecticut judge just threw out a Democrat mayoral primary election within the Democratic Party because they got video of somebody stuffing ballots in Connecticut. Right? Um and there's also some video of that happening in Georgia in 2020. And, but see, they're really clinging to power. The pillars of their power are, you know, this pristine 2020 and the January 6th narrative that they have built and they have cultivated. And Ken Buck goes out referencing those exact keys, those exact pillars of establishment power, okay, of swamp power. And you see, you're not allowed to question these things, as Tucker Carlson has been doing, as a lot of just rational, reasonable observers have done about what went down on January 6th and, you know, how things played out in the uh, election of 2020. 
And I'm not here to litigate that, but I think it should always be fair to ask questions about these things and to wonder about these things. But we started this hour talking about the big propaganda pushes, and you are a very bad person if you just don't go along with what they tell you. If you don't believe exactly what they tell you, you're a really bad person. And a lot of insecure, status-seeking, lower IQ people grab onto those establishment pronouncements and think that they're a better person and a healthier person, and it makes them feel stronger to latch on to establishment pronouncements and go around bashing people who do question the propaganda, do question the establishment. Does that make sense? It's kind of like the, the propaganda plays upon insecure people or status-hungry people or um, essentially job-seeking people, right? And the kind of people that are insecure on their own and they feel like they feel more powerful if they are attached to pronouncements from on high, which is what that is about, okay? So, unfortunately, Ken Buck decided to make his eggs went in that manner. And by the way, since I mentioned Ray Epps, uh, Laura Logan has this thing about Ray Epps, and let, let's work that in right now. New documentary about Ray Epps, who's the guy, the uh, Democrats' favorite potential Fed at the January 6th, quote, insurrection. Maybe it's because you're my neighbor. <laughs> then he leaned in and whispered something he apparently did not want to say out loud. We're not here to fight, man. We're here to... We're here to storm the Capitol. Hell yeah. All right. Have a, have a good night. Be safe. Be safe, brother. That one moment changed what we knew about Ray Epps that night when he whispered storm the Capitol before it had happened and echoed the official narrative before it was broadcast across the nation. Of supporters of President Trump stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Thousands storming the Capitol. This mob that stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Stormed the United States Capitol. We ran it through forensic software that technical investigators use for analyzing audio and video to make sure we heard correctly and it had not been altered. We're here to storm the Capitol. Hell yeah. All right. Have a, have a good night. Be safe. And searched through hours of footage, countless news stories, Epps' FBI case documents, and his deposition before the January 6th committee to see if it had been discussed. With the exception of one writer we found on Substack, it hadn't. So Ray Epps, again, who they put some cosmetic charge on. I mean, most of the January 6th people are uh, sitting there. Uh, they're hostages in prison in solitary. But not Ray Epps. And he was the guy on video all over the place saying, and this new one is, we're going to storm the Capitol. We're here to storm the Capitol. Now, reasonable people should be able to ask questions about this. Is that, you know, what, what was going on? How many feds were there on January 6th? Yeah, question mark. Laura Logan did a good job on that. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.